I invite you to turn with me to, in God's holy word, to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to read the first 14 verses, and our focus will be on the on verses 2 and 3. 2 and 3. Um, this is actually, uh, well, it's actually last New Year's, so uh, 2022, I preached on the first opening verse of Ecclesiastes 3 and uh, in our church. So now this is kind of the second sermon, and that's why I'm beginning not on verse 1, but on verse 2 with you this this afternoon. But I'll briefly touch on also on the, uh, the first point uh, in terms of the poem, A Time to Be Born and A Time to Die. Uh, that was uh, part of the last sermon, but I'm going to also include it, part of it, with you this morning or this afternoon. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3, hear now uh, God's holy word. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything that is God, has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatever God does, <laughs> it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away. God does it that men should fear before him. And so far we read in God's inspired word this afternoon. <coughs> Again, our focus is on the words of verse 2 and 3. Um, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. So beloved in Christ, Solomon is the author of Ecclesiastes. You remember Solomon, King Solomon, uh, given such amazing wisdom by God, and he used that wisdom and the 
uh, penning and the writing of Ecclesiastes and in the book of Proverbs and Song of Solomon. And um, here we hear some of this wisdom with which Solomon uh, begins this, really this powerful hymn of faith. And he begins it with these words, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And that tells us that um, we really can only appreciate and believe that every time in life has purpose. When you look at it and live it under the awareness of God. Because without God, if everything in our life is but a product of chance and there is no God uh, behind our lives and behind this world and behind creation, then ultimately there is no meaning. If we're just a chance collection of atoms that evolved over millions and billions of years, then ultimately there's no meaning. But when there is a God who is in control and a God who has a plan for your life and mine, that tells us that there is ultimate purpose in our lives and in all that we can do and uh, go through when we go through it with God. So this is a poem that has 14 pairs of opposites. And each of these pairs gives you a, a sense of the scope of God's control from beginning to end in the timing of all things. And when Solomon speaks of um, time here, uh, we in our church, we, we uh, heard a message on uh, the message of Gabriel to Zechariah and uh, the angel Gabriel, when he, he appeared to Zechariah, remember, who was uh, the father of John the Baptist and the husband of Elizabeth. And uh, when he, he appeared, he spoke of um, God sending a, a son to, for them, but who would be a way preparer and doing everything in the fullness of time. And when we looked at that, we saw that the, that word time is not just chronological time. It's not just arbitrary time. It's not just time in the sense of a chance moment, but it's appointed time. And that's what this is about. There's an appointed time. And the first thing that Solomon writes about is that there's an appointed time to born to be born. When you were born, it was not just by chance. It was in God's plan. God gave you life. He's the one who knit you together fearfully and wonderfully in your mother's womb. And so it is when we die. We die not by chance. We, we sometimes speak of somebody who, who dies by accident, right? In a car accident. But what we have to remember is that even what we see as accidents is under God's control. Nothing is outside of his control. And so um, it is not human timing, you know, the time that I choose. I didn't choose the time I was born. I'm not going to choose. Man likes to think he can choose the time that he's going to die, but God is the one who ultimately does. It's not human timing that, that Solomon is talking about here. 
It is divine timing and order. That's what stuns Solomon. That's what fills him with a sense of awe and wonder and faith. This is about God's timing and times. And you hear the word time ticking through this poem 29 times. Giving the poem a rhythm and a cadence that is rich and beautiful. Now, as I mentioned last year, last New Year's Eve, I preached on Solomon's opening statement and on the first couplet of this poem, which is there is a time to be born and a time to die. So I'm only going to be touching on it briefly now, but I will do so. Um, There is a time to be born and a time to die. Both are set, not by man, but by God's perfect timing. Life your life and mine from beginning to end and all of its days are appointed by God. As the psalmist says in Psalm 139, fashioned when as yet there were none of them. And you and I, if we are children of God, can rest in the knowledge that our times are in God's hands. He is in control and that without his will, like Lord's Day 10 says, right? We, we, without his will, we can, uh, not so much as move and nothing can happen to us. That is, he does not allow, including the day you were born and the day that you die. Struck home to me when yesterday, uh, Christine and I received news that a very sweet, dear friend uh, that we uh, were privileged to know in our, when we were in the first seven years of our my ministry in the state of Washington, that she passed away uh, yesterday. And she's uh, not much older, if any older than I am, maybe even than Christine, um, but she's, She's with the Lord now. But it was just two weeks ago that they thought uh, she just had pneumonia. But it was discovered that she had acute leukemia. And two weeks later, she is with the Lord. Um, There is a time to die. And it's not always the time that we would choose to die. But she was in the Lord's hands. Her faith was real. It was strong. And that's what her husband and her children and her grandchildren now will have the tremendous comfort of knowing that she is not lost. She is with the Lord Jesus, where they too one day will be. But there is a time to die for all of us, and it might be sooner rather than later. And it's important for us to remember that we need to be ready whenever God calls us. But our deep comfort is that the timing is governed by God and even death has purpose. That's right. Death has purpose. The most wonderful, the most wonderful of all for the believer is that it delivers us from all the suffering all the pain and all the sickness and all the disappointments and all the tears of this life and brings us into the presence of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, and of all who love him. 
forever and ever. So death is, doesn't have the victory anymore, but it is still uh, the path that God chooses for us to join him one day and to be delivered from the sufferings of this world. So there's a time to be born and a time to die for each one of us. And it's important for us to remember that. And we don't go on living as if we're going to live forever because nobody here is going to live forever in this life, right? Only in the life to come. The times spoken of here, they relate to each other. Uh, they overlap. For example, you have birth and death, and later on you have time to weep and a time to laugh. Right? And they're related to each other, right? You weep when somebody you love dies, you, you laugh, you have holy laughter like Sarah when somebody is born and you have a new child in the world. Um, they, they're closely related in, in a sense because they're all about life and about what happens in life. And so the first couplet, a time to be born and a time to die, describes God's appointed times of human life. And now it's like the second couplet dives off from this starting point to expand the scope of God's control to all other life on earth. That is, it goes on to show that God's control of the beginning is, is over the beginning and the end of all organic life, not just human life, not just animal life. His control over the timing and the order of everything extends over the whole world of vegetation and its environment. He gives the right time for planting. He governs the rains. He governs the sunshine. He governs the change of the season, the gradual warmth. The right, he gives the right time for planting, and he plants in the farmer's mind and heart, the wisdom and the awareness. Yes, this is the time. God is in control. He brings the trees and the crops also to the time of harvest as well. It's all under his hand. On the human level, we may be engaged in the planting and the harvesting, right? We have to do it. Men have to be involved in it. But if he doesn't give the right time for the harvest, if he doesn't give the right time for the planting, everything we do is doomed to failure. We need his blessing. We need his providence over us and over our lives. Listen to Psalm 104, verse 13 and following. He waters the hills from the upper chambers. He, the earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. That's God's works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle, the vegetation for the service of man, that he may bring forth food from the earth. And Psalm 65 Verse 9 and following, you visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its ridges abundantly. You settle its furrows. You make it soft with showers. You bless its growth. You crown the year with your goodness. And your paths drip with abundance. God gives the harvest. God gives the time 
of the harvest. He gives us the ability and the energy to harvest the fruit of not just our labors, his labors. What does this mean? This means that our confidence at the end of a year, when we look to the new year, when we come to this moment, when we again are aware in a little extra vivid way of the passage of time, we, we are called to put our confidence in the God who's in control of time and times, all our times, for everything. Put your confidence in God. Show your trust in his word. How? By praying to him faithfully, asking him to bless whatever you sow and what you reap, whether it's in the home or on the farm or in the factory or in the office, right? He's the one who's in control. Then this inspired poetry of Solomon reminds us that in God's all-wise plan, there is a time for killing. And that sounds shocking, but there is a time to kill. There are times to kill. That God says it's time to kill. When does God say it's time to kill? Well, in Genesis 9, verse 6, he says, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. There's a time to kill. In Romans 13, verse 3, we read, and we're called to respect the government. He is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear what? The sword in vain. The sword is the instrument of death. There's, there's a time to kill. The time to kill the murderer. Kill uh, those who kill. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Or in God's law in Exodus 22, we read, if a thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. If you defend your home, your family, against a thief who comes into your house at night to do you harm or do you injury or do you death, you have the right to defend yourself even at the cost of that intruder's life. There's a time to kill, God says. He gives the right. Why? Not to destroy society, but to preserve it for the good of man, not for the destruction of man. And this, of course, overlaps with the last couplet, which we're not dealing with, but a time, there's a time for war. And there's a time for peace. But let me then just still say that this does mean that if there ever is a day like there was in the days of 
the generation before us, if there is ever a day that there is a just war that our country is engaged in, right? As in the, when the Allied forces had to fight against Nazism, right? If there is ever that kind of war in our generation or the generation to come, or if our country is attacked by an enemy, which let me say is a very real possibility in a generation to come. Then you men need to be ready and to be willing to obey any call to battle that might be issued. And then you will bear weapons that kill. There's a time to kill. Thank God that there's a time to heal too. There's the opposite time. God gives a time to heal. And God gives and uses men in the wonderful process of healing. He uses doctors of varying special specialties and medicines and surgeries in amazing ways. So many, perhaps you know, I know, who would perhaps not be alive today if it were not for medical intervention at some point in their lives. There's a time to heal. And God uses these means. He's in control. And, and you know, apart from medical intervention, apart from medical intervention, we also know that the body that God has given to us, created and designed by him, is the most marvelous healing machine. It's not a machine, really, but it's the most marvelous healing body, self-healing body. If it were not so, every one of us who has had a bad flu or a bad cold this last week or two would still have it, and you would never get rid of it. But God has given you a marvelous immune system to fight against sicknesses and infections, and that's all his grace. And he's in control, and he's the designer. He's the healer. He gives the time, appointed time for your healing and mine. He's in control. That's why we don't have to worry and get anxious about sickness about our health, we need to be responsible. We've got to remember that God has the time in his hands for our lives, for all that's going to happen. And he will keep us and bless us no matter what happens if we belong to him. And on top of this all, sometimes God in his good pleasure even chooses to set aside the use of normal means and normal bodily defenses and sometimes answers our prayers, not always, but sometimes he answers our prayers by curing the incurable. And I've seen that happen and perhaps you have too. Because he is the God 
who sets the time for healing. It's in his hands. And to him we have to pray then for healing, mercies, and trust in him. Listen to Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. Now see that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. You are in his hand. And if you are not an enemy, but a child of God by faith, you're in the safest place you can be the strongest place you can be. And the greatest healing of all isn't physical, is it? As amazing as physical healing is, that God gives, the most amazing of all is our spiritual healing, right? And that's why Jesus came into this world and was born in Bethlehem, right? Why? So that he might fulfill what Isaiah said he would be wounded for our transgressions, be bruised for our iniquities, have the chastisement of our peace upon him that by his stripes, by his suffering, we might be healed. Healed of what? Our sins, our rebellion, our anger, our hatred, all of those things. Time for healing. God works it in the lives of his children. A time to break down and a time to build up. Listen to Jeremiah 31. And it shall come to pass that as I have watched over them to pluck up, to break down, to throw down, to destroy, and to afflict, so I will watch over them to build and to plant. Did you get that? Both the time of breaking down as well, and the time of affliction, the time of throwing down, as well as the time of building and planting and restoration. God's watching over it all. That's what the prophet Jeremiah reminds us of. Now, men don't like to think too much about God going around tearing and breaking down. A God who is ready to destroy is a frightening prospect to many. They only like to think of God if they want to think of God at all as the God who builds up. But God is not half a God. God is all the way God. He's a God who punishes, destroys what is corrupt, what is evil, what is not right. He takes it apart, as well as a God that rewards and builds up what is good. Think of this illustration when a building is ruined by time and neglect, or a building is in ruined by a sudden earthquake and it cracks and it has big faults in it, or if it's been built very shoddily, like shacks sometimes that people in ghettos have to live in, guess what needs to be done? The ruined remains from the earthquake or the fire or the neglect or the shoddy buildings, it needs to be broken down. It needs to be destroyed. If you just try to build on them as is, you're gonna have nothing but problems. 
In the same kind of ways, sin ruins so much of what we build. Sins of selfishness and pride and, and lust make things shoddy in our life. And God needs to break them down. When we do those things, when we try to build that way, God needs to break those things down before he rebuilds. Um, just an illustration for the children. If you got a, a Lego set for Christmas and your little brother or your little sister opened it up before you had a chance and they started building, right? Whatever they wanted. It probably wasn't according to the way it's supposed to be done, right? So they start building it and they make a bunch of mistakes because they don't understand. What would you need to do? Would you just keep on building on top of that? No, what has to be done? You would take it apart, right? You tear it down so that you can start it over again. If not all of it, at least part of it. Sometimes even you or I make a mistake in something that we're doing and we know that we have to undo it. We have to take it apart. We have to kind of destroy what we just did because we realize, oh no, I made, that, I made an error there. Sometimes ladies do that with, my, my mother does that with her knitting sometimes. She has. And then she has to take it all apart again. Well, thank God that he knows perfectly and purposefully everything that needs to be taken apart, that needs to be broken down, that isn't the way it should be or it can be in our homes, in our church, in our lives. Even if we, like our little brother or sister, think what we did was pretty good, God sees where it's not so good, right? And he shows us. And thank God, he also knows not just what to take apart in our life, but also what to build and when to build. His timing is perfect. He doesn't build if something first needs to be destroyed. And he doesn't destroy when it's time to build. He doesn't build on ruins. He builds on a foundation that will last forever. What's that foundation? Listen. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's the foundation God is looking for. Everything that he, we build that's not on that, God's going to take, take, take down eventually. And good thing he does. But he's going to help us build on the right foundation if we're his children. There's a time to break down. And there's a time to build up. In those times, we're involved. But God is in control, and that's our comfort. And that's our hope for the future, even for the past. We know that nothing is by chance, but by divine power working in us and through us, he uses us even in the killing process. Colossians 3, therefore put to death. Remember we talked about Time to kill. There's also time to spiritually kill. The old man put to death. 
And your your members which are on the earth, what? Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Those are things that need to be demolished, killed in our lives. There's a relationship there too, isn't there? And, uh, and it's a good thing to tear those things down. Have you ever te- had to tear something down that it was a mess? Then you probably didn't do it with regret. You did it with gusto, right? Oh, this, is, this thing has got to, this is an eyesore. This is a mess. Got to get rid of this. Destroy this. Get rid of it. It's good. God wants us to do that with our sins. There's a time to destroy. And there's a time to build up. And we want God to show us those times and God to help us carry out those things in their right time. But he also uses us in the building up process. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You, beloved, building yourselves up. There's a time to build on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. How do you build? You got to pray in the Holy Spirit. You got to look to the Holy Spirit. You got to look to the word. Seek to live your life more and more according to that word. You see, God has not just given a time for breaking things down physically and building things up physically in our lives. He's given a time for spiritual building and spiritual uh, breaking down and building instead. And that has to take a first a first priority in our lives. This coming year, it should be our prayer, our desire to see the time of building up that God has in mind for us and to carry that out faithfully in the times and the opportunities that he appoints and he gives to us. And the Bible even uses the the picture of, of building a highway. You are to be building... I am to be building a highway. Listen, Isaiah 62. Go through, go through the gates. Prepare the way of the, for the people. Build up, build up what? Build up the highway. Take out the stones. Lift up a banner for the peoples. Indeed, the Lord has proclaimed to the ends of the world, say to the daughter of Zion, surely your salvation is coming. That's foretelling the ultimate salvation in Jesus Christ. He's coming. Prepare the way. Prepare the way in your own hearts. Right? This Isaiah is also prophesying of when Israel would return out of captivity from Babylon back to the city of God to Jerusalem. And they're to like prepare spiritually a highway for that. Take away the obstacles and rejoice in the return. But that's a picture of our what we have to do too, right? In terms of Jesus Christ is coming and we need to prepare the way in our own hearts to go to him and for him to come to us. We're engaged in that. We're involved in that. God tells us to be faithful. There is a time to build and the time is now. The time is now. Today is the day of grace. Remove the stones, the obstacles, Right? As you build the highway, uh, point each other to your Savior, to the one who is salvation. Talk about him to each other. 
Make catechism. Make your Bible study. In church and home and school. Important. As part of the building process of that highway that brings us to the city of God, to the ultimate city of God, the ultimate Jerusalem, right? Which is heaven, right? Prepare, build up the highway. Say to the daughter of Zion, your salvation has come. Tell them, tell them how he, Jesus, is salvation. How he died on the cross to pay the price, as Pastor Tony already said this afternoon, to pay the price for our sins, to deliver us from our just deserts from hell, and to give us salvation in heaven and hope and life in him. Build up the highway for yourself, for your loved ones, for your children, if God has given them to you, for the church and for others as you call them along to come to Jesus. Make that highway smooth, beautiful, inviting, and a joy to travel in. That's what God wants us to do. There's a time to destroy, time to take apart, and a time to build. Spiritual building is so important. And uh, may God bless us that in this coming year, we may look to him in confidence as the God of our time and the God who's in control of all the times of our life and gives us the opportunities and the right times to do the right things. For that, we need to depend on him and trust in him and trust in his word with all our hearts. May God help us to do so.